0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good day, and welcome to church. Welcome to service. It's great to have you with us. My name is Robert Carrillo, and I'm standing here in Metro Vision Studios, and uh, we're having a great time of worship and a great time with the Lord this morning. And uh, I want to say greetings to everybody, all my friends and family out there in Metro Vision land, Metro Region, Los Angeles, California, as well as all our friends and family and neighbors and, coworkers and- Everybody else tuning in from wherever you may be. It's great to have you with us today. You know, today is a very special day, as you've already heard about. It's Mother's Day, and you know that already, but, uh, we want to say especially to all of you moms out there, uh, Happy Mother's Day. Wow. If it was, if we were live, we'd have you stand up and give you roses and hugs. So this is virtual hugs and kisses and, and virtual roses. Uh, that's your picture right there. And we got flowers right here for you too. So, uh, that's for you. We are so grateful, moms. You are awesome. You are incredible. You are amazing. There's nothing like moms. Uh, you know, I, I love this prayer. It says love, mother's love for her child is like nothing else in this world. It knows no law, no pity. It dares all things and crushes down remorsely all that is all that stand in its path, you know, it's just, it's, there's, this is like one of the best days of the year is to be able to celebrate mother's Day. I do have some advice for all you dads and, and adult kids. If you still haven't bought your, uh, mother's day gift, hopefully you already got it. But if you didn't, here's some advice. Okay. Number one, don't, don't get anything that electronic. Okay. And no, she doesn't need a PlayStation. Uh, don't get anything that, that that requires programming or anything like that. Uh, I, also, uh, don't, don't buy clothes that requires knowing sizes. Uh, too big, you insult her, too little, you're just being mean. Okay. So don't do that. Uh, don't buy anything that involves cleaning, weight loss, self-improvement, or anything like that. Okay. Stay away from those products and be very careful when you buy jewelry. Okay. The fact is what she really likes, you probably can't afford. And what you can't afford, she's probably allergic to it. So just be wise, be careful, get some advice and uh, make sure you get the right things. But moms, we love you. What, what, well, you're just, you're just absolutely incredible. You are inspiring the sermon today. The sermon today is on love. Why? Because I can't think of a better example of love than a mom's love. Uh, I, I don't know anything closer to agape, anything closer to Has said than than a mom's love. A mother's love is unconditional. It's wiping away the tears. It's listening without judgment. It's admitting when she's wrong. It's laughing at her kids' knock knock jokes. It's accepting who she is. It's cleaning up the vomit of every problem and minimal sleep on minimal sleep. It's helping out with homework while it's trying to do make dinner. It's every day making every day, no matter how she feels. A mother's love is it's what you guys do. It's what you do. And you make such a difference. I mean, you set the world. You, you make the planet a better place because of your love and the love you have for your children. You know, there's a poem. I, I love this. I choose you and I'll choose you over and over and over without pause, without a doubt, in a heartbeat. I'll keep choosing you. That's a mom's love. I love this picture because that's just, that's just such a mom. It's such a mom. It's like the psychiatrist one time meeting with his patient. And, and she says, well, I don't know what's wrong. I, 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 I give to my kids a hundred percent. I give a uh, 50% of my time was my kids. 50% of my time is helping my husband. 50% of my time is cleaning up and, and figuring out the household needs. And he said, yeah, I think I see your problem, you know? And so often that's the case, right? Uh, I love this picture of mom, just so proud of her babies and mom. There's nobody that's more proud of her kids than, than than mom. You know, there's that old saying, he had a face that only a mother could love. That's, it's just that you can always hopefully count on mom's love. I saw that you were perfect and so I loved you. Then I saw that you were not perfect and I loved you even more. And that's, you know, that unconditional love, the power of a mom. No language can express the power and the beauty and the heroism and the majesty of a mother's love. I mean, again, I love this picture because That's just such a mom, such a mom, carrying her kid across the river, risking her life just to keep her kid dry, just to keep her kid safe. You know, always love your mother because you will never get another. You got one mom, love her, tell her how much you love her today, show her how much you love her today. And if your mom's alive, and many of you, your mom's alive Make sure you let her know how special she is. Make sure you let her know how much she means to you and how grateful you are for all that she's done. You know, a lot of us, me included, don't have our moms around anymore. And, you know, we wish so much that there was some way we could express it, but we definitely carry the gratitude in our hearts. We definitely feel, I know that I wouldn't be where I'm at without my mom. There's my mom, me and my mom, in my nice, cool little cowboy jacket. A mother's love is the fuel that enables a normal human being to accomplish the impossible. I am so inspired by my mom's love, and so much of who I am is because of my mom. I had a single mom who worked two jobs to keep food on the table, to keep clothes on her back, and I will just forever, ever, ever, and ever be grateful for all that she has done, all that she did in my life, and you moms are just You're incredible. You're the superheroes. You're the real superheroes in this world. And in a lot of ways, you're the definition of love. You're, you're, you're the closest thing we've got to agape. And, and you're the step to help us understand God's love. You're a great step in in helping us understand Jesus' love. I remember there's a story, one of my favorite stories about this little boy and, and he was struggling in school and, and the, the teacher wrote a note to the mom. And she read the note and she never told her son. He found it years later after she had passed away. But the note said, said, ma'am, your son is too dumb to keep up in class. I don't think he can he can handle the school. And so she wrote back a note saying, I will teach him myself. I will teach my son myself at home. And his name was Thomas Edison. You know, the, the power that a mom has to believe in her kid. And how that power, how that love can impact a kid. I remember I read a, a story, a, a true story, classic story of a, they found this woman, it was, a, it was a South, in South Wales, in the middle of a blizzard. She was carrying her baby. She was wrapped in a blanket and she apparently got lost in the blizzard, fell down. They found her the next day. She, she had died. She was frozen, but her baby was wrapped in her body in the blanket and the baby survived. That baby grew up and became Prime Minister of Eng- England, David Lloyd-Jones. George, you know, I mean, the sacrifices that moms make, they're just, There are examples. They're so incredible. So thank you, moms. Thank you for all that you do. You know, in so many ways, you really teach us about love. Now, so we're going to talk about love today. And, you know, we're, we're we are set as a ministry to become experts on love. We've been studying this. You will recognize this this very slide if you remember. If you have a good memory, we talked about love. We've had a couple of sermons on love, and we talked about eros love—that's romantic love. We talked about Phileo, thats brotherly love. We talked about stergos—that's or stergo—that's affectionate love, uh, friendship love, and we talked about agape, right, which is the classic. Love that everybody generally knows something about if you've been a Christian very long. And it's always the one that's talked about. So today we're going to talk about the big one. And I had promised a while ago when we went through these that I would someday come circle back around. we talk about chesed. And chesed is, it's the big one. It's, it's, it's the one that I think is probably the most important word in the entire Bible. Chesed. Why? Because it describes God's love. And really in a very deep and profound way, a very thorough way that helps us and that we need to understand because we are the objects of God's love. You know, we are the ones he loves so much and he cares so much about. And I'm convinced that anybody who who really understands God's love can't help but but be devoted to him. It just naturally happens. You, you love God. When you know God loves you and you know how much He loves you, then you can't help but to love Him back. And the more you know about His love for you, the more you want to love Him back. And that's how Christianity is supposed to run. But the problem, the challenge we have is we, we don't, we either don't understand His love or we don't believe His love or we don't think about His love or we just walk around ignorant of His love. And so we really need to understand that. You know, back in the day when I was a young Christian, I think I was afraid about focusing too much on God's love because I thought, well, if you just focus on God's love, then everybody's going to run out and sin and take advantage of that. But that's not really true. There's a famous saying by Augustine. He said, love God and do as you please. And I thought, oh yeah, that sounds like some stupid liberal saying, you know, that you just do whatever you want and, you know, and it'll all work out and doesn't, and not faithful to the scriptures but it was actually dead on right. If you really love God, then what you want will be to please God. If you really understand God's love, then what you're gonna wanna do is just love him back. So it's so important that we understand how much God loves us and how that love works because that's a real key to this too. We tend to talk about agape, unconditional love, but we don't tend to get into the details of how that works. So we're going to talk about that today because it's Mother's Day and moms exemplify love on so many levels and so many ways. So this is our word for the day, our word really for a lifetime. You can spend your life studying hesed. You'll never know it all. You'll never understand it all. But you will understand enough to change your heart and to inspire you about God. So it has a a, a wide range of meaning. Um, In some ways, it's, it's steadfast love. In some ways, it's kindness, it's loyalty, it's mercy—or tender mercies. It's mercy, it's it's loving kindness, it, and it's and it's based in a covenant. A covenant is like a contract. It's a commitment between two people to to be there. So we always understand agape as unconditional love, and that is true, and that is the love that Jesus has. That is the love that God has. It's unconditional, meaning that no matter what you do, it's there. It's not conditional. It's not, I will love you if you do good in school, or I'll love you if you're pretty, or I'll love you if you, if, if you produce a lot, if you bear lots of fruit. I'll love you if, no, this is just love, period. God loves us, period. Just like when we have children and we look at our little children, and we look at that little bundle of joy. We just love them. Yesterday, I had something really, really cool happen. Uh, my, our daughter, Michelle and I's daughter, sent us a recording. She's pregnant. She, we, just, we found out recently she's pregnant. She's now, I forget, three or four months pregnant. And they sent us the first recording of the baby's heart beating. And my heart just jumped out at hearing that. I already love that kid. I already love that kid. I haven't met the kid. I don't even know if he's a boy or a girl yet, but I already love that kid. And I know what's going to happen when that kid is born because I've been through three of my own already. And I know how my heart just wanted to explode. And all I could think of was how much I love that person. Now that little person, that little being was full of fault. It was completely self-consumed and self-centered. All it did was eat, poop, and sleep. You know, it didn't do dishes, it didn't pay rent, it didn't clean up at all, it didn't make the bed, it didn't feed the dog, it didn't throw out the trash, it paid no no, it didn't contribute to the family uh finances or anything. It was just take, 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 take. Did I worry about that? Not at all. I just loved that kid. And as that kid grew up, and three, and I had three of them. And they would do stupid stuff, and they would break things, and they would mess up. But I just love them, and I still love them. And I have such a great time. They're, out, they're actually they're on our way. Uh, one of them's at our house. Another one's on our way, and the other one we talk to all the time. And we just love being together. We love our relationship. We love being together. We love connecting. We love sharing good times and, and bad times. And I'm a human. I'm a human father. Jesus said, if you... You who are evil know how to love your kids. How much more does God love his children? How better, how much better does God love us? And I know, I know, I know you you may think, Robert, you've talked a lot about love. It's an important subject. It's what our religion is all about. It's what being a Christian is all about. If you boil down Christianity to what its basic form, to what it basically essentially is, it's loving God and loving each other. It's all about love. And God is love. He's not just pretty loving, He is love. You know, I love this scripture in Exodus 34 where God describes Himself. He says, It says, The Lord, the, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in chesed, steadfast love, and faithfulness, keeping chesed, steadfast love, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is how God was describing himself as abounding in steadfast love. That means he's bound, he's set, he's full, and he's set to love us. that's your God. That's my God. But it's hesed. It's not just love like an emotional feeling. Like, you know, I mean, you think about it. Okay, I could say, well, I love cherry pie. I love my wife. I love classic cars. I love Star Wars. Do I feel the same about all those things? No, I have very different feelings about those things. And there's quite a range there in priorities. Any kind of love, there's different kinds of love. Hesed. Is the greatest love. It's the most important love. It's the kind of love that will save you, that will change your life, that will bring you to God forever. It's the kind of love that brings life and life to the full that Jesus promised. Let me give you some scriptures that describe it a little bit because I want us to get this. And we're only going to scratch the surface. I know, I don't have time to, to... expound on this you know it's amazing we've had 19 morning devotionals on just the gospel of john we're on chapter 13 we've got we've got eight more chapters to go there's just so much there right and this is the biggest topic of all don't worry we're not going to keep you here forever but we're going to do an, an entry-level taste of understanding hesed so here's a scripture where it's you. It says, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. You remember who said that? This was Joseph in prison. Remember he helped a couple of his buddies. And when they got out, this is what he told them. He said, don't forget to show me hesed. Hesed is a debt of love. I do for you. Now you should do for me. That's the way it works. Hesed is, is, it's, it's like a bond. It's a, like I said earlier, it's a covenant. It's a, it's a pact between two people. It's a pact of love. You love me and I will love you. You serve me and I will serve you. Now, it's unconditional and that's the way God is. He's going to love us and help us irregardless. But if, if we're talking about the way things are supposed to be, what is right and good, how the universe was set up is that this person loves this person and this person loves this person. It's a pact. It's a bond. It's how things are supposed to run. So, so basically Joseph was reminding him, I saved you. Now you got to, now it's your turn to help save me. We're in a bond now. We're in a relationship. It's a debt of gratitude. They also, this was a, a statement made about Gideon. You remember Gideon? Gideon raised, you know, he was the guy in the in the wine press and he was afraid and God sent him out to go fight and uh, the bad guys and he went out there and he won all kinds of victories. But unfortunately, Israel didn't help out his family. And it says, they also failed to show any loyalty, it's hesed, to the family of Jerubal, that is Gideon. In spite of all the good things he had done for them, they failed to be grateful. They failed in their debt of gratitude. You see, hesed is that feeling you feel when somebody serves you, when somebody does something for you, you feel like you want to do something back for them, right? You know that feeling. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody gives you a gift. It's Christmas. Somebody gives you a gift. You, you're, if you don't have a gift for them, you're feeling really bad, right? You're feeling like, okay, I, I got to show my gratitude. Or somebody does something for you And you just want to do something for them. That debt of gratitude. That's, that's Hesed. What you're feeling inside is on there, is in there on purpose because we're wired like God because we're made in God's image. That, that bond, that covenant of love. So a debt of gratitude, you know, it's, it's actually funny. It shows up in our language. You know, when we, the old English thing to say when somebody did something for you, you'd say much obliged, right? Uh, You can kind of see it in the old Western movies. A cowboy would say, much obliged, ma'am, right? What does that mean? I am obligated. I now have an obligation to you because you did something for me. You helped me. You served me. You showed me mercy. You showed me kindness. You showed me grace. You did something for me. Now I should do that for you. It's in that gratitude, that debt of gratitude. How do you say thank you in French? Merci, right? Right. You say merci. Why? Because you are recognizing the mercy that was extended to you. So you're recognizing the mercy. How about in Spanish? What do we say when somebody does something first? We say gracias, right? We are recognizing the grace that has been extended us. That we've been given grace. So you say gracias. You're recognizing the grace. It's a natural thing because we're wired in God in the image of God. We're made in God's image. So, so when somebody loves us, we naturally really want to love somebody else. Um, it's, it's a friendship covenant. As, you know, this was a classic, um, uh, David and Jonathan here. And he says, as for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? And this is David talking to Jonathan and, and Jonathan is saying, look, no, uh, uh-uh, we, we're in a pact together. I'm going to help you and you're going to help me. And he actually does help Jonathan. David helps Jonathan's family later because Jonathan helped save David's life. So they were in that pack. You know, you see, there's some movies like, I don't know if you saw the Kevin Costner, Prince of Thieves, where, uh, remember, Morgan Friedman was Hazim and he had saved Hazim's life. So Hazim says, I owe you a debt of life. Okay, that's Hesed. That's Hesed. There's another movie called The Four Feathers where... um What's his name? I can't remember his name, but anyways, he played the Joker a long time ago, whatever his name is. He, um, he goes to the Middle East and he's, and he's with this, uh, Muslim guy and the Muslim guy owes him a debt of life. And so that's, that's, that's the, it's a cultural thing there, but it's a very real thing that when somebody does for us, we're supposed to do for them. So yeah, they're, they're it, it is unconditional love but it doesn't mean it doesn't have expectations right i mean that's the way love is you love and you serve all relationships have to be two ways or there's hurt and there's pain it's why it grieves god so much when the love is not returned when nobody when people don't return their love and gratitude to him it's an unconditional endless undeniable love and with expectations That we are supposed to help each other, serve one another. God is the ultimate example. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they love each other in perfect unity. You and I are invited to be part of that. You are invited to be part of the community of God where there's absolute love. And you are you are also expected to do your part. Well, what's my part? My part is to love. To love God and love those around me. As I am loved and filled up. And that's important because if you're not loved and filled up, then what happens? You're out there trying to be loving and you run dry. And you run out. And then then we're not able to love and give. We have to be continually filling up from God. We have to be like a reservoir. Bernard de Clairvaux, a very famous monk who made a lot of headway in, in spirituality, Wrote about how a person has to be like a reservoir that is continually filling up so that they can be continually loving. You ever feel like you just ran out? You ever feel like you just run dry and you I got no more to give? Well, it's a very common human thing, right? So what do we need to do? We need to step out, we need to get away, we need to get some time with God. We need to get some time to regroup and re-energize and refill our tank so that our love tank isn't on empty. You can't be running on empty. And, and, and you become something you don't want to be. So this, this covenant is really important. There's expectations. I do for you and you do for me. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the wild thing. Is you don't have to sign any papers. You don't have to, you don't have to agree to something. Jesus loved freely. He did expect people to love back. He did expect people to respond, but he didn't have people signing a contract. No, because you're just supposed to just respond to love. And that's the way it is in the church. All of us gave our lives to Jesus and gave our lives to join the church and to be part of the church because we came to an understanding of how much Jesus loves us. We just took communion. Why do we take communion? Why do we eat that piece of bread and drink that cup? Why is that so important? Because we have to stop and remember how God loved us and why that is so important. And that's what inspires us to love God back and to love each other. We have to be filled with God's love. That is so incredibly important. And I'm going to tell you something it's more important than ever. You put on the news, our world is hurting. Our world is suffering. And I watched the news today, and I just cried. when I heard about the kid getting shot. And I know what that is. That's deep-seated hatred. That's fear. It's what I talked about just last week. The us and them thing. And there's so much fear in the world. And there's so much hatred in the world. And our world so badly needs Examples of love. And there's so much anger in the world because there's so much injustice. And here's the thing, is darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can drive out darkness. And only love can drive out hate, right? Martin Luther King. That's what our world needs so much right now. We need that as the church. We need to be that light just shining to the world that inspires people to turn themselves in, to turn themselves into God. Why? Because he loves them. The only way that you turn an enemy is by loving them and making them your friends. That's a hard thing to do. I remember when the guy broke into an Amish school and killed all the little girls. It was a little school of little girls. And I remember they were interviewing one of the grandparents. And they asked him, how do you feel about the murderer? And he said, well, I forgive him. And the reporter was stunned. And I think she was looking to show that as religious as he was, he could be angry and hateful too. And she looked stunned. And she said, Why would you forgive him? And he said, Because God has forgiven me and God has loved me. The world doesn't understand that at all. That makes no sense. And you know they actually paid for the man's funeral and they helped the widow of the man who killed their little girls. And they helped her make a living. That's powerful. That's what the world needs to see Jesus' love, to see God's love, to see hesed in action. You know, we we, we sing about it. Why? Because it's it's so great. Give thanks to the Lord for his hesed endures forever. Let Israel say his hesed endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his hesed endures forever forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his hesed endures forever. Let the metro region say his hesed endures forever. Forever. Let the LA church say his hesed endures forever. Let all disciples say his love endures forever because it does. It's the only thing that can break through a hard heart that can melt the walls of sin. It's the only thing that can get through our thick skulls sometimes and help us turn and help us change. Paul said, for I'm convinced, he said, for Christ's love compels me. That's what moved him. That's what what motivated him. That one died for all and therefore all died. That's what motivates him. And so, yeah, we need to understand this. You know, we we talked about this one. This is the the big summary scripture. And so you know what happened? If you remember, the book of Micah is a lawsuit. What was God doing? He was suing Israel for breach of contract. What contract? Hesed. Hesed. They had made a commitment to love him. He would already made his commitment to love them. He never broke his side of it, but they broke their side of it. And so he sued them. And that's the book of Micah. Remember that? Chapter 1, Shema Israel. Hear you, Israel. Hear you, people. And he brings in a lawsuit. Micah chapter 3, Shema Israel. He goes, hear you, leaders of the people. And then chapter six, Shema Israel. hear you, listen up. And he brings his lawsuit and he closes it up saying this, he has shown you a mortal. You remember we talked about the, the mortal dust man, dirt man. He has shown you dirt man. He has shown you shown you dirt woman. What is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly? And to love Hesed, to, to, to do Hesed, To love and give wholeheartedly. And to walk humbly with your God. There's another summary scripture. It's a scripture that basically just summarizes what this is all about. He says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Hosea 6.8. An acknowledgement of God. Rather than burnt offerings. Mercy? Yeah. Hesed. Hesed. I call this one Jesus' favorite scripture because he quoted it on more than one occasion, and probably many occasions, I bet. But it's recorded at least twice. Where he turned around and he said to the Pharisees, Go find out what this means. Go find out what this scripture means. You know, to my shame, I was probably a Christian 25 years. Before I bothered to find out what that means, before I looked into it, I'd read it many times. I'd never bothered to find out. What does it mean? I desire Hesed, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. You see, it's kind of problematic because who asked for the sacrifice? Wasn't it God? Who asked for burnt offerings? Wasn't it God? So why would he say, that's not what I want? Because there's something far more important. What it was really doing was contrasting. Contrasting something that yes it is required. But that's not really what we're after here. What are we really after? What is our religion really after? Teaching us to love. Teaching us to love God. And teaching us to love each other. In a world full of selfishness. Materialism. Hatred. Fear, anger, to be a people who learn to love and to care for each other. We live in a world that has plenty of land and yet people fight wars over small plots of land. We live in a world with plenty of food and yet millions starve or are malnutritioned. We live in a world That has plenty of resources, and yet there are children being buried every day because of dying from diseases that we've already cured because their parents couldn't afford the medicine. And God is watching, and God sees all this. And what does God want? What does God desire? Mercy has said that we be a people who care. We're going to take an offering up in a week. For who? For our brothers and sisters around the world. To make sure they have food on their table. To make sure they can serve something to eat to their kids. To make sure they can buy the medicine they need. For the kids that have special needs. Because, why? Well, because this is God's family. And the Bible tells us in Galatians 6... Take care of everybody that you can, but especially the family of God. And and we're going to do that, amen? We're going to make that happen. But this is what God wants. This is ultimately what he wants. That we love him and that we love each other. You know what I'm excited about is us growing into this. The metro region being a light to the world. Being a light to Los Angeles. Being a light to the Los Angeles Church of Christ. That we grow in our love for each other and our devotion to one another. That when we see somebody struggling, we call them up. How you doing, bro? What's going on? That rather than letting ourselves get critical and jab at each other and and suspect each other and stuff, just assume the best and love one another. And you know, sometimes when you assume the best, people rise up to that. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You think Jesus doesn't know? Our sins and all the, all the garbage we do. Absolutely. He knows it. But he has a vision for us and he loves us. And I, for one, and I'll bet you too, we, we want to live up to that. We want to be the light of the world because Jesus called us that. We want to be the salt of the earth because Jesus believed in us. And so we strive for that. But we need to be that for each other, that we're there for each other and for those that God puts in our lives co-workers, neighbors, friends, family. You know, it's so incredible. We have literally more than hundreds, more than a thousand people that watch this service every Sunday. If you're watching and you want to learn more about it, please email us, Get write to us, make comments on the, on the YouTube page. We'll get a hold of you. And we're going to set up a system so that people can come, but everybody needs to be part of this incredibly loving community. And we need to be an incredibly loving community, amen? And be the example for this world. What we love about moms, they are so much the example. They sacrifice so much, they give so much, and they don't ask for much. That's Hesed. That's Hesed. You know, Jesus said uh, in the middle of the Gospel of John, chapter 12. This is where we're at right now as we go through the Gospels, of uh, the Gospel of John. There was a voice that basically spoke of Jesus. And he said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. And he says something here. This is really what I want to focus on. He says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. You know, I thought a lot about this, this thing about now is the time for judgment on this world. You know, because Jesus came to save the world, not to judge it. So what did he mean by that? And I realized when I studied Hesed, what he meant by that. You see, Hesed is if, if I go to your house and mow your lawn, Then we're in Hesed. I've done something for you. And you will naturally want to do something for me. And that's just the way we are because we're wired in God's image. And when God loves us and we see God's love, we respond, right? If I laid down my life, if I took a bullet for you, you would feel really obligated. And that would be right and good to help maybe my wife or my kids. If you took a bullet for me, I would feel obligated to do for your family, to help you out, to do something for you. That would be natural because we're wired in God's image. Jesus did something for you and for me. He went to the cross and he died on it. And you see, hesed doesn't require the signing of a contract. When somebody does, boom, that's it. You're in. You're in a relationship. You're in hesed. The greatest price. Jesus said, no greater love has anyone than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He did the greatest thing that anybody could do is he gave his life for you and me. That puts us all in hesed with Jesus. That puts the whole world in hesed. And it's up to us to either accept that and respond or reject it and walk away. And if we reject it and walk away, then we bring judgment on ourselves. I think that's what he meant. That when he was nailed to the cross, the world was called to action. Respond. Love him. Turn to him. Devote yourself to him. Or reject him. It's up to you. It's your choice. God, for God's part, he's agape. He's hesed. He will love you forever and ever. Not because of what you do for him, but because you are his child and he loves you more than anything. You know, that's the God that we serve. That's the God who reaches out to you and even reached out today. One of the things I love is that God... You know, he presents himself in many ways, usually as a father, but even sometimes as a mother because we understand that. We get that. We understand a face only a mother could love. We understand unconditional love because we've had a taste of it. Mom, maybe dad, maybe an uncle, maybe a friend. And it changes us. Most of us are here in the church that are part of the church, Because somebody loved us unconditionally. Regardless of what we were like, regardless of our pride, regardless of our defensiveness, didn't matter what color we are, didn't matter how educated we are, didn't matter what our background was, somebody loved us anyways and helped us to see God. So that's our lesson today. it's just the beginning. But there's nothing more important. The love of God. Hesed. So have a great day today. Give your mom a big hug. If she's here with you, she's still alive. If she's not with you, call her. If she's alive, let her know. And if she's not, thank God for the mom that you had. And hug somebody else's mom. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day. Thank you for joining us. I hope this has been educational and inspiring for you. If you'd like to know more, please join us. By going to study.laicc.net, and we'll be happy to contact you and help you in any way we can.